Hello and welcome to the Activated Living Podcast, where we discuss everything mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Amanda, holistic health practitioner and creator of Activated Living. So I'm super excited to introduce to everyone Erin. She works with holistic aromatherapy, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and she has this awesome program called Intuitive Seasonal Living, and we're going to kind of explore that a little bit later. But first off, I do want to just start off with like gratitude and just thank you for reaching out, getting the ball rolling for this, and just bringing value because I know you have like just, I, I've been following you on Instagram, and I we've talked a couple times like I know you have so much information so much value to bring to this podcast so I just want to thank you like for your time and the space that you're creating for this and is there anything that you want to add to that is that like pretty good I'm super stoked. I'm really grateful to be here. I am also feeling that you're adding so much value out there for people just teaching them how to get back in touch with nature and that's really how we originally connected so that's a good you know starting point for our podcast today which is going to be all about getting in touch with spring season and what we need to be aware of totally so like as a lot of maybe some people don't know but we are going to be going into the spring equinox soon so we're kind of leaving winter we're leaving the cold we're introducing new birth new life and i also just want to say too that you know you have so many like credentials with these holistic modalities and i'm really excited to be talking about how we can incorporate certain certain modalities into the season of spring. Do you want to give everybody just a little bit of a background of your history? Yeah, so I'm a certified holistic aromatherapist. And as part of my training, I got to learn a lot about Ayurveda, which is traditional Indian medicine from India. And then I also got to learn a lot about traditional Chinese medicine. And what those basically are for me as an aromatherapy practitioner is that they are lenses that I get to look through as a diagnostic tool when I'm working with a client. So what those modalities really teach us is to get back in touch with nature and the cycles of nature and the elemental aspects of nature and let those things inform us about what's going on in our own bodies, our own minds, our own spirits. And how I got into all of that, Amanda, is that I have been going through a long healing process that started with a very quick downward spiral of my health when I was in my early or mid 20s. And, you know, throughout that process, I really realized that the places that I was initially going for for answers did not have the answers that I needed. And so I really had to become an advocate for my own health. And at that time, I was a professional musician. I actually have my doctorate in opera. Random fact about me. That's so but, cool. I love that. I love, um, but, we love a multifaceted woman. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, everybody thinks these things are all separated, but really, when it comes down to it, everything is interconnected in some way. And music actually has so much to inform me about health and vice versa. Um, but anyway, through the process of trying to find my own answers with health, I learned to make my own body care products. And the reason I did that was because I was reading the back of my shampoo bottle one day and there was this word on there that had 24 syllables. And I was like, what the crap is this? So I started doing research into what kind of things are in our body care products and ended up learning about toxicity and endocrine disruption. And these are all the things that I was experiencing at the time. And at that time, this is many years ago at this point, um, there, you know, where I was living here in North Dakota, it's very, very isolated, very much in the middle of nowhere, actually in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) 
Um, and you can't just go out to the health store and buy something that's pure and healthy and clean. And so I started formulating my own things and through that learned about essential oils and went down the rabbit trail of research that is out there about essential oils and all the therapeutic therapeutic benefits that they have. And then that led to me learning about herbalism and teaching myself about that and taking courses about that. And then I learned about energy medicine and got into that. And so it's just been this like sort of mushroom cloud of all of these different healing modalities that now fall under the umbrella of my practice. So all of those things I get to use as tools now to leverage not just myself into better health and wellness, but also help my clients. I love that. I think that that's so awesome because again, like with that belief system that everything's all interconnected, mm -hmm. it just sounds like, and I know that like you're kind of condensing like a huge story into like, <laughs> um, but I just feel like it's like, it almost sounds like it was like organically flowing the way, like showing you like this modality and this modality. And it's like, you're picking these tools up. Mm -hmm. And then how awesome is that you got to create a business where you can incorporate all of that? Yeah. And it's so funny how oftentimes out of our pain comes our purpose. Yes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, that was me. Um, you know, when I couldn't find the answers and I was in the worst amount of pain, what I had to learn through that process was to heal myself. And now I get to use that pain and basically it's alchemy, right? Like the pain turns yeah. into your purpose. That's what I think of as alchemy is like really transforming these things that you could either choose to be bitter or you can choose to get better. And Luckily, I, I don't know. I really feel like I've been sort of guided through this process because intellectually it doesn't make sense. Like I should be teaching at a university and doing <laughs> all of those academic sort of things. And instead my path has taken a really different trajectory and it's been so much more fulfilling to help people in this way. I feel like you can make so much more of an impact when you're helping people on the health and wellness level, because it really is every aspect of a person that needs to get addressed to really address it properly. There's also like, and I, I, I do want to like kind of get into like the topic today because it's so heavy, but I just, something that just came up for me was that, did you, when you were kind of like, you said that you had your degree in opera mm -hmm. and I'm sure that even though that sound, it, it does sound like that's so unique, that's so different. Mm -hmm. It's still, I would imagine for somebody that has like maybe like a family unit that's from like the Midwest and I could totally be like projecting here with like my own experience, but <laughs> you know, cause I was in university for photography for an art degree. So that was never like something fully accepted, but then dang, the second I decided that wasn't even my path and I was going to go down a holistic route. I had so many family members, mm -hmm. so many friends just being like, but don't you want to do something like a real job? Like, did you experience any of that? Because also somebody who has gone through and is going through healing stages for my autoimmune disease, mm -hmm. it was like the, I was in so much pain and I was in so much, I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. The last thing I wanted was my poor family unit support system, like questioning, you know what right. I mean? Oh like, yeah. Go through that. Did you go through doubts? Did, like, how did you kind of get through that and like ease through that? Or maybe it wasn't with ease and grace, but I'm just curious. <laughs> to hear, I'm just curious to hear your story because I feel like that's so relevant for people mm -hmm. that might be interested in taking mm -hmm. a different path and going oh, yeah. on a more holistic route. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a big fear. I know that's a big thing that people, you know, think about. That's like the one thing. It's like, what are people going to think about me? Oh, totally. Um, so mad. I could just like riff on this for a long time because my experience is really similar to everything that you just described. Um, my two great aunts 
I had two great aunts that had cancer and were able to both heal themselves holistically through different modalities. So this is when I was in high school and both of them at different times said to me, you need to go to college to be a naturopath, Wow. which I was super intrigued about, but I didn't really understand it. And the expectation was, and the expectation I even had of myself was, well, music is what you've always been good at. So that's what you're going to do. Mm. And so I kind of like lived out the, like what I thought was just a given what I thought my given path was. And even though, like you said, like art, music, same, same sort of deal. Like you're already kind of the black sheep. You're already like an outcome. People don't really understand why you're doing this thing. And I actually really love music. I still use my music every week. It's just not in the way that people would expect me to be using it with the credentials that I have. And the ironic thing about it is I actually really had to fight to get back to my music at some point during the healing process that I was going through because I was, as you said, just so much in pain and so sick and so like barely, some days I could barely move. My anxiety was absolutely crippling during moments. So when your support system around you also doesn't understand your choices and that's really difficult. Luckily with my music, my family has always been really supportive. When I started branching out into health and wellness, they had seen the crucible that I had been in with the worst part of my journey with my health, especially my parents, like calling them being like losing my mind suicidal at times. Like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like they knew it was really serious. That was a side of my journey that most people didn't see. And so we are now living back in my hometown where people know me as who I was in high school, not who I am now as a person <laughs> 40. And I think people kind of like, just don't get it. Um, I'm so at this point, Amanda, like I've gone through so many seasons of questioning about if this is my path or not. And I've really been forced to get really clear on who I am as my, at my core and what I'm here to do on this planet, which for me is to connect people to nature themselves and to the divine that it's very hard for anybody else's opinion to shake me off of that trajectory and there's been things like part of my business is that I work with a network marketing company, something I never, ever saw myself doing in a million years. And I had a lot of misunderstandings about what that meant that I had to work through. But that is where a lot of opposition has come from in my life from the people closest to me. But it's also the thing that has leveraged me into the greatest expression of my health and who I am. So sometimes I feel like those places where we actually experience the most resistance are the places where we're the closest to what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, I a hundred and bajillion percent agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that could be its own podcast topic, like, because that's something yeah. I think that a lot of us don't talk about in the health and wellness. Like, we're so excited to show people where we are right now and are like, maybe we're in the season of teaching, maybe we're still in the student phase, mm -hmm. the student season of our life. But mm -hmm. I think that like also talking about that journey, you know, that's mm -hmm. so relevant. Thank you for sharing that. I was yeah. just also just like curious. <laughs> yeah, no, and there is like that other people's expectations and, and everything. Like when, when you are really making a large shift in your identity, there's so many things that you have to question, like, is it my ego that's, that's pushing me to do this? Or what is it that's guiding me to do this? And all of those people are going to cause you to question those things. And maybe there's a good system of like checks and balances within that, because then you really do have to question. You really do have to get very, very clear on why you're making the decisions that you're making. Yeah, exactly. It's that self-awareness that mm -hmm. I think a lot of us kind of 
gain when we go through these yep. these seasons, even how tumultuous they might be, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. So speaking of seasons, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> spring. <laughs> um, I really like this. So Aaron came to me and we were kind of like brainstorming, figuring out like, all right, let's talk about the seasonal shift. We have so many different modalities that we both have knowledge in and experience in. And so we decided, we're talking about like the top five challenges that you might be coming or experiencing when you come with springtime. Mm -hmm. And also, we're also just going to talk about, because I always like balance. So we're also going to be talking about how we can celebrate spring in our life. Just to do a quick rundown, things that we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about certain bad habits that we might have formed over the winter season. We're going to be talking about the wind elements, rainy days, um, a, a need for a shift in our nutrition, and also a natural need for detoxification. So I'm super excited to talk about all this. So let's start off with bad habits from winter. Yeah. Okay. So as a big picture concept, when we look at the modalities of TCM and Ayurveda, what they teach us is that we are not the same every day, just like nature is not the same every day, unless you live right on the equator. <laughs> um, most of us experience seasonal changes. We experience seasonal changes. We experience monthly changes. We experience a different body every day. We experience a different nature every day. With that, there's a shifting that happens with things that we can leverage, and there's a shifting that, of things that can challenge us. Okay. So going into spring, coming out of winter, what's happening on a, on a big, big picture level here is that winter and summer are two more stable seasons. What I mean by that is that summer is pretty much always hot. Winter's pretty much always cold, but we have these two transitional seasons that are spring and autumn that are kind of a combination of everything. Like some, you really don't know what you're always gonna get from spring or autumn. Um, some days it might be super rainy, some days it might be really beautiful outside. But with coming out of winter and into spring, we've come out of a, sta a more stable season, which means that we've been in the same conditions for a while. And those conditions are, we've probably been less active than typical. We've had less exposure to the outdoors, especially the further north that you live here, <laughs> like I do. <laughs> yeah. Dakota, and practically people are like, you know, saying like I live in an igloo or something sometimes. <laughs> uh, so here we experience the extremes of that, but wherever you are, if you're tuned in, you'll notice that there are changes in your seasons. Um, and in winter, we are going to have like perhaps where you live, there's more rain. Where I live, there's more snow. Um, we're having more cold temperatures. All of these things mean that for a while now, we have been less active. And that means that our bodies may be what we call congested with certain things. A lot of us put on excess weight or excess inflammation during the winter. We're usually eating heavier food during the winter. And of course, we have the holiday season during the winter season, which means that we have a lot more vice food mm -hmm. that we may have indulged in during that time. And I'm all for indulging. I think that there's a season for everything. And it is okay to have those heavier foods during winter. It is okay to have a few more vices. If you live in the North, <laughs> especially... <laughs> we might drink more alcohol because <laughs> we are cold and we are more depressed and we are looking for ways to raise our serotonin and our dopamine and all of these things. So 
We've gotten into a few bad habits. By the end of the winter, the results in the body of those bad habits are starting to pile up. So we might feel way more fluff on our, on our body than we want. Usually our liver is a little tired by the end of winter and needs some extra support. And as we are moving into spring, we may want to look at making some shifts with how we've been approaching our lifestyle and our nutrition. So some basic really simple things that you can do moving into spring. And honestly, what's so cool is that in every season, nature is providing for us what we need. You can take advantage of so many of the things that we're going to talk about today without spending a single cent. And oftentimes if you tune into your intuition, your intuition is actually telling you to do these things. So go outside, go outside more. So if we're looking at things from an Ayurvedic, we in the winter are in what we would call more of a kapha season. So kapha is one of the Ayurvedic constitutions and it's the combination of the heavier elements which are water and earth. Meaning that we sometimes feel more inertia, we're less active, we're more introspective. When we get into spring, we're gonna want to start to make a conscious shift to start bringing in more air and space. So go outside, get into the sunshine, open your windows and let the fresh air in and begin to lighten up your life overall in terms of letting go of some of those vices. So maybe in spring, you're gonna choose to make a conscious decision not to be drinking alcohol as much. Maybe you're gonna make a conscious decision with some of your nutritional choices and we can get into some specifics about that later in the podcast. Maybe you're gonna make a conscious choice to start to wake with the sun and set a really awesome, intention for your day by putting into place a beautiful morning routine of some kind that serves you, you know, something of that nature. Maybe it's just that you're going to bring in a little bit of um, heat and a little bit of dryness so that you can move some of that congestion in the body. And that could be through movement. It could be through, um, you know, infrared sauna and things of that nature, or maybe just like going out and sitting in the sun and getting some vitamin D. Totally. There's so much, when I moved to San Diego, that was one of the things that I just, the way that I was brought up was like, we were very like home central. And even though we had gorgeous backyards and gardens and beautiful parks, it was just not something that I grew up doing. Like that just sounds weird, but I also grew up like in the Silicon Valley at like in the nineties. So like oh my very gosh. tech, tech central, um, homebody <laughs> people. But when I moved to San Diego and just seeing like, I was like kind of co-living with some people that I met on retreats and things like that just seeing like oh like yeah we are like plants we need our sun like we need the sun to like be healthy we sitting outside in the morning and like drinking my tea instead of sitting in my room on my computer I can still bring my computer out and I can still do the work that I want to do but like just switch it outside it doesn't cost anything it's a that's such an excellent point Mm-hmm. Yes. So that is like how we could address some of those bad habits and some of the challenges that we're bringing in from winter. And I just want to say too that there are certain things that will serve you in one season that won't serve you in another. So those things for winter, some of those things are going to be serving you, but they're not going to serve you the same way when we move into spring and there's going to be other things that will. And for anyone who is listening that does have a understanding of Ayurveda, 
and let's say they know their dosha and they know their hypocrisy, like what would you suggest for somebody to maybe if they want to do a little bit more research to kind of like live seasonally with their doshas? Is there anything mm -hmm. that you have, uh, any suggestions or any tips? Yeah. So if somebody were to come to me for an aromatherapy consultation, we actually go through an Ayurvedic profile and we figure out what their constitution type is. And then I can give them like really specific things based on what their particular struggles are and things like that. Um, the general big picture concept is whatever the predominant um, elements are for this for the season that you're in, you're going to want to counteract those. But then if you know that you have an excess of one of those things, you're maybe going to do a little less. So that wasn't a very good explanation. But no, but it's all about <laughs> balance. So like, I, yeah, yeah. So this is where the intuitional aspect of this comes in as well. And one of the things that I do in my work is just really encourage people to start tuning into what is your body craving? And I don't necessarily mean food here. I mean, like, do you notice that sometimes your body's telling you, go move, move your body? Do you notice sometimes like you actually want to sit out in the breeze and you want to feel the air on your face? Like this is your body telling you that it needs these things. And so as you turn tune more into, into your intuition, you will learn more of these things. But I found for myself, when I was learning this at first, it was so overwhelming. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have to change all these things and do all these things. And it's like, then my perfectionism comes in and my type A comes in. And I'm like, I have to do all the things and I'm going to do all the things. And then this like completely defeats the purpose of what we're trying to do, which is to bring in balance and bring in space and bring in light into our life and our lifestyle. So as we're talking about these things, like choose one or two things that for you feel like are things that are really resonating and implement those first. Totally. And also like kind of piggybacking on that. I also think it's really great. I think Ayurveda and also traditional Chinese medicine even if it's not something that you feel like you have the means to invest in for a practitioner, I think that's like such that, that goes over so like tenfold for what you want in terms of your health and your wellness. So mm -hmm. going to somebody like Aaron, going to somebody like Googling who you have as a, a practitioner, somebody who has a, a maybe bigger understanding of Ayurveda, that is something that I would always recommend to people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Lifelong learning. That's what this is all about. You have to have an attitude of being willing to be a lifelong learner because you can't possibly know everything. I mean, no. there's some herbalists that spend their entire lifetime just with one plant. They learn one plant and that plant continues to teach them for their entire life. So yeah. um, it's just an infinite amount that you can learn. So the bad habits are kind of like our internal influences, like what are we doing to ourselves that maybe isn't that helpful. And now we can maybe look at some of those external influences and how we can balance those. So do you want to talk about wind? Because I think this is one thing that a lot of people may be completely unaware of that is causing them problems. Totally. Let's talk about the elements. I think okay. this is super, super interesting. And again, another rabbit hole that yes. you could potentially get down to. In. Yeah. So many things. Okay. So wind is a problem for us in those transitional seasons. And if you think about it, it makes sense atmospherically what's happening is we're going from really cold air to what is going to be the other extreme, really hot air. And that means that our transitional seasons of spring and fall tend to have a lot more tumultuous activity. And where I live here, we get these horrible southeast winds that just like buffet our farm and like they go on for days and days and days 
and people get cranky and they get irritable and everybody's like, I hate the wind, but nobody knows why they hate the wind. Oh. So I'm going to tell you why you hate the wind. Um, <laughs> in Chinese medicine, there are, there's a category of influences called the pernicious influences, which I think is a great word. And wind is one of those things. And depending on what your natural constitution is or, and, or on top of that, whatever particular challenges that you might have at this time, you may find that the wind really bothers you. Now I thought this was complete and utter hogwash, except back in the day when I was getting into this journey, I had this weird rash that I would get every spring on my legs and it would happen just like clockwork. And it would be there and it would be there for a couple months and drive me crazy. And then it would go away and I'm like, I couldn't figure out what it was. So I finally went to this Chinese medicine doctor and I couldn't really understand a lot of what he told me, but he said, don't expose your skin to the wind and stop eating nuts. And so I was like, okay, that's crazy. But I went home and I did it. And like a day later, this rash was gone and it never came back. I love that because imagine if you went to like a general practitioner, like they would be going through, like you would be, you'd be going back and forth so many times doing tests and then just one meeting with this, um, Chinese herbalist, Chinese medicine, Chinese medicine doctor. Yeah. He was awesome. And when I would go for treatments, he'd actually like play this beautiful string instrument and stuff for me. Like there's just so much more of an understanding in these older traditions of the mind, body, spirit, emotions, all of that being connected, um, which that's a whole other rabbit trail too. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he was the first one that was teaching me that wind really actually is a challenge for our bodies. So this is where TCM and Ayurveda can really talk back and forth between each other and kind of inform each other. So depending on your Ayurvedic constitution, if you happen to be a vata constitution, now vata is a combination of air and space, you may be even more irritated by the wind than other people. And where that may come out for you is your anxiety may increase, your irritability may increase. Some of the other physical challenges that we may have as a result of the wind in the spring are things like our livers might be having a harder time processing stuff. Uh, we may have eye issues. Last year during this time, I actually got a crazy eye infection. It was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so menstrual complaints, because when the wind element is overly present, we almost have too much air and space in the body, and that can disrupt the natural energy flow in the lower portions of our body. We might have things like sinus issues and migraines. So a really, really simple recommendation with wind is to stay out of the wind when you can, especially if you notice that for you in particular, you really hate being out in it. And then when you do have to be out in it, it sounds so crazy, but my story earlier, it's like, all I did was cover up my skin and my condition got better. So I've learned like wear scarves around my ears, maybe wear longer sleeves, even if it's warmer out when it's windy and it really does help me. And then counteracting that air and space elements, the excess elements that we have in the wind with the opposite, which is earth. So grounding yourself to the ground. This is free. Go sit on the ground. Yes. <laughs> barefoot. Like your body is adapted to interact with the planet and the energy of the planet that way. And it will really, really help with a lot of that irritability and that anxiety that you experience. 
No, grounding is so important. And that's also something that also interconnects in a lot of Native American, indigenous um, tribes. Grounding is a huge, huge Mm -hmm. elemental property when you're kind of balancing and getting back in tune with yourself. Cool. I want to hear more about that sometime. Yeah. (laughs) Another podcast. Another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So we have these extremes in these transitional seasons. So yes, we have those really windy days, but the other thing that can happen, and I'm going to jump into our next topic if that's okay. Yeah. Is the rainy days, right? And depending on where you live, you may have a lot of rainy days in the spring. So why are rainy days a problem? Well, if you think about what we talked about as our challenges from winter, our excess element that we have coming out of winter is the water element, that element of inertia, that element of inactivity. And we've been in inactivity for a long time. And frankly, we're kind of sick of it, right? Mm -hmm. We're kind of sick of it. And then we have these rainy days and we're like, I just want to be outside. I want to be digging in the dirt. I want to be, you know, playing sports with my friends. I want to be running around with my kids. And then we have these rainy days. And these rainy days, when we have an excess of that water element in our body already, and then we're surrounded by the water element, we might experience that excess uh, water element by like just feeling like our limbs are heavy, like we're made of lead, like we can't move, like we can't get going and we're just feeling stuck. So this is where having a morning routine can really help. And when I talk about a morning routine, I mean like getting up, doing some meditation and breathing exercises, pranayama breathing is what we talk about in yoga, right? Bringing in that air and space element and bringing in some light, even if we're not having that from the outside, because at this point, our bodies really need it. So how do we do that? We lighten up through breathing, we lighten up through some light movement, through getting our blood flowing in the morning. Does not have to be and probably should not be really um, intense activity right away when you wake up, but just, you know, even going through some sun salutations, bringing some heat into the body is really going to help. And this is also where that dry heat from something like an infrared sauna can really help to get that kapha moving. It can help to get rid of some of the excess toxin, but then it can also just get the circulation going. It can bring in the warmth into the body when at this point we're just sick and tired of being cold. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why rainy days are kind of a bummer. And then on rainy days, look at them as a chance to leverage some of the things about spring. So spring, you know, if we're talking about spring from a mental and emotional, even a spiritual standpoint, spring is a time for germination. So in winter, traditionally, we would use that time to dream, to think about ideas, to plan. And then in spring, we're going to bring ourselves more into the start of a decision-making capacity to say, okay, what ideas did I have in winter that I want to do something with? So using those rainy days to get to work on some of those things can help to offset the frustration that we might feel with just like not being able to do what we want outside. Yeah, I love that. So that is the two outside influences that we have in in the transitional seasons that can be really challenging. Those are the suggestions that I have about that. I love that though. I think that a lot of people myself included. I'm for people that aren't morning people. Mm-hmm. I know the the thought and the idea and hearing of establishing a morning routine and it's so mm-hmm. funny that you mentioned earlier about waking with the sun. Mm-hmm. That is so not my MO. I am such a kapha. I like want to hibernate. I want to like be in my warm bed, but I will say 
when I, my body, when I, I'm very in tune with the cycles of the lunar cycles. And a lot of times if it's a full moon or a new moon, I just naturally wake up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. And I have my day ahead of me and I'll do like a little meditation, do a little bit of movement, like movement that, but it really does change. Number one, you're rewiring your brain. So you're, for me, I was so anti, anti-morning, like I don't, I'm not a morning person. Now I'm just like, you know what? I wake up when I wake up and if I'm waking up early with the sun, I'm going to take full advantage of it. But also like for me, I'm just like, I try not to force it. Right? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm completely the same way. I'm also not a morning person. Um, I find that it serves me more to be up earlier in the morning at certain seasons of the year. And then at other seasons, I do allow myself to hibernate. So fall going into winter, um, definitely don't obsess about the time I get up at all. Yeah. Uh, But in spring, especially if I'm feeling a lot of kapha, if I'm feeling just like, just like I'm moving through, like I'm moving in slow motion. Mm. Or if I'm feeling like, man, I just, I have these things I want to do, but I just can't get the ball rolling. I will force myself to start getting up with the sun. And I will, like you said, I will start to feel better. And what I know for myself is then I also need to like look further back and say, okay, what am I doing for my night, my nighttime routine to set myself up for this? Because I used to be so addicted to staying up late and like all that. And I don't do that anymore. I try to be in bed by like 10 30 or 11 because those first two hours like 10 to midnight are such important times for your brain and your body to be in a sleep state (laughs) Um, and I don't always get there but I know that it's like so much different for me and my body when I actually get those earlier uh, hours of sleep and then just trying to wind down before bed so I have like a setting on my computer and on my phone where it turns the blue light off on them And I do try to like put my phone aside as I get closer to my bedtime, things like that, or have a tea that helps me to wind down. Um, So, you know, it's all interconnected that way too, but we all have our natural tendencies. And I think sometimes it's okay to just let your natural tendency be what it is if it's serving you. Right. Totally. If it's serving you, then I think I totally agree with that as well. Mm When we're talking about bringing balance back into the body, then there's a few additional areas that we can leverage for spring that really honor not just what's happening in our bodies and not just what's happening in nature, but like specific things about our bodies. And when we look at traditional Chinese medicine, as Amanda was just mentioning, we do have something called the organ clock and you can go on Pinterest and find images of this if you have no idea what we're talking about. Actually, uh, if you follow me on Pinterest, I have a board called Ancient Wisdom and it has all kinds of stuff about TCM and Ayurveda. So if you feel like going down a big rabbit hole, you can definitely do that there. Uh, But the TCM, what it teaches us is that for every about two hours in the day, there's a different organ that the body focuses on supporting. So like a really, a really common thing that you'll hear people say is like, man, I sleep well. And then at like three in the morning, I wake up and I can't get back to sleep. Well, this is indicative that your liver is having a hard time because that time of the night is when your body really goes and focuses on your liver and supporting your liver and cleaning your liver out. And if your liver is like, hey, this is way too much, it's going to wake you up. Or if you're having like hot sweatiness during the night, during, during different hours, it can actually tell you that there's toxicity in different organs and things like that, or excess heat or some other pernicious influences going on. 
So paying attention to that can be really helpful. But we also have organ clock for the whole year. So for every season, we have a dominant and a submit, like I don't know if dominant and submissive are the way to say this. I think I want to say a yang organ and a yin organ that is focused okay. on. And our main organ that we're going to be looking at for spring is the liver, which is not surprising considering everything that we've talked about with the winter. The heavier food, the, um, the vice foods, the excess alcohol intake, all of those things are going to over time put a little bit of a strain on the liver. So what we can do with our nutrition is just lighten things up. So this is a word that we can think of for spring, lightening things up. We can, with our nutrition, we can look at, instead of like the heavier cooked stews and the soups, and who really wants to be eating stews and soups anyway? <laughs> when it's hot out, no, thank you. <laughs> so much of this is intuitive, but like we just don't even realize that it's intuitive. Um, we're gonna be looking at things like salads or lighter soups, steamed veggies are really great. If you are a meat eater, instead of you know beef and pork, you're gonna look more towards fish and chicken, for example. No iced beverages. Mm. This is yeah. a funny one. <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> so think about winter. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking out here outside of my house. We are forecasted to have another 10 inches of snow this weekend. After getting, yeah, after getting dumped on last weekend, we have had to dig ourselves out. So what do we have? We have a lot of ice sitting around. Same thing's happening in our body. Our metabolism tends to slow down during the winter because of all the things we mentioned that change with our nutrition, our activity level, our vice foods. And so our body is a little bit on the cold side coming into spring. If we're then putting ice in our beverages and drinking cold temperature, we're actually slowing things down even more. We're making our digestion le less efficient. We are putting a strain on the digestion that will increase what is called AMA, which is a Ayurveda, uh, it's like a, a poisonous substance in the body that we want to eliminate. Oh. So no cold beverages. So room temperature stuff, a little bit warmer. With our spices, we want to look at pungent flavors. Pungent flavors. Well, what the heck is pungent flavors? <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a list. Onions and garlic and ginger and peppers. So peppers, the vegetable, and then peppers as in the spices, the spice pepper. Um, also, and I hate this one, but I'm going to mention it for anybody that likes it, horseradish. Ah, uh, yeah. Wasabi, <laughs> like those kinds of flavors are something that will help to increase the heat in the body again. They do it in a really gentle way that's anti-inflammatory, um, but they'll help to heat things up, helps to get the things that are congested in the body, it starts to get them moving again. In addition to that, especially if you are a kapha constitution, you're going to want to be really careful about dairy consumption because dairy increases the kapha aspects of the body, which are things like excess mucus. I hate that word. It's so gross. I know. <laughs> um, I hate that word too, but it's just kind of like, okay. it's so true. <laughs> explain what I mean. I just say the word. Um, you know, and especially if you have a tendency toward uh, sinus infections, seasonal allergies and things like that, um, and skin conditions, these are all things that are going to be challenges for us in the spring. And reducing the dairy for a lot of people, they will notice that also reduces the symptoms of those things for them. Um, 
just a little bit more space between your meals. So during the winter, I really like to encourage people to be having protein every two and a half to three hours just to keep the metabolic fire stoked so that we don't get overly cold in our body. But coming into spring, and we'll get a little bit to this and when we get to our detox uh, subject here in a moment, which I'm really excited to dive into, um, we want to maybe give a little bit more space between our meals. So again, we're bringing in light, we're bringing in space. We've been stuffed inside and stuck inside for so many months and we've been eating heavier, let's do a little bit of the opposite of that. So we're gonna lighten up our meals and we're gonna give a little bit more space between the meals so that our digestion has a chance to get going again and not be overly burdened is essentially what we're trying to accomplish with that. So those are some ideas for the nutrition and my very favorite thing about this, my very, very favorite thing about this, and this will be a good segue into our detox subject, is that nature provides for us in every season what our bodies need. It is so incredible. So where even where I live in the north, the very, very first things that start to come out of the ground and turn green are foods that actually really support our body, especially our liver at this time. So things like dandelion and burdock and nettle and asparagus, we can actually go out and all four of those things, we can wild forage around here. And they're That's the very, so awesome. I know, I and they're that. the very first things that are available. Mm. And not only are those things known to be kind of blood purifiers and detoxifiers on that level, things like dandelion and burdock or really any bitter green that you can get your hands on is going to be supportive for your liver, which as we mentioned is going to be the organ that we're focusing on supporting for the season. I love that. And also, you know, one thing I would also add to those, which it's not that we can forage this, but something that would be a natural detoxifier like chlorella or spirulina is these algaes have such great properties to help target those heavy metals that we might be carrying in our system. And then just literally like fleshing that out for us. I love the fact, especially for vegans, because I know a lot of people are looking for different plant-based proteins. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, like one tablespoon of spirulina is like four grams of protein. Yeah. And I know for myself, if I'm making like an avocado banana kind of, I call it like goop. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's like green, it turns into green goop, but it is so good. And I'll put like, almost two tablespoons in, like that's eight grams of protein right there. Um, but these, these, these plants are so intelligent. And I love what you mentioned too, how they start blooming when our bodies need it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yes. I love the greens powders as well. Um, I always just tell people, make sure it's cold processed so that it has the nutrients intact that are with totally. it. Um, I also really like to go and just have like a seaweed salad once in a while in the spring. To me, that feels really good. So those are some of the nutrition things we can do. And what's nice about them is that they're all pretty accessible things here. These are not things that are really challenging to do. And they're things that are going to be fairly natural in terms of, like we said, you're not going to be wanting to have really heavy foods and really hot cooked meals when it's starting to get hot outside. So then we can talk about the liver again as an organ that we're gonna be supporting and how these different plants that are available in the spring do help to support the liver and really the body overall with the detoxification. So this is a big buzzword and there's 
lot of controversy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about detoxification. So I always just like to back up and let people know that you know, if we're looking at some of the oldest indigenous traditions in the world, and this is not just Ayurveda and TCM, this is like pretty much any indigenous medicine that you can find out there. They understand that there are certain seasons of the year that our body is primed to get rid of stuff that it shouldn't be hanging on to. So this is, this is an idea that's as old as time. Um, and that we now know scientifically a lot of these things about this time of year being a great time to detox are being shown to be true. Mm. So that's really cool. Um, and there's so many different ways to detox and some of them are really helpful. So I like to support the liver always with things like milk thistle. And there's a couple of other elixirs that I like to use to help to support the liver. And then there's really gentle cleanses that you can do. So in Ayurveda, you know, you can do like a 10 day, just like steamed vegetables sort of thing, just something really gentle on your system. There's something called kachari that you can make with like mung beans and things like that. I haven't done that because I have a hard time with legumes. Um, it's so good. My it? girlfriend makes it for me all the really? time. And it's just like, it's, I've never, cause I've never really identified with like a cultural stapled food. Cause I grew up in a very American, um, adopted into very American white household. Yeah. But it just, every time I have it, I just feel like I'm having like a little bowl. That's like this huge hug my soul and that's when somebody says something like that about how they respond to a food it's like man that is what your body needs your intuition is telling you that that is something that really resonates with what your what your soul is needing or your body's needing um so there's ways to detox that way and then other people do different kinds of fasting practices so oftentimes in these in these cultures you would take a, a week to even a month to go and just completely maybe just do bone broths and juices or maybe just water and spend time resting and letting your body get rid of what it needs to get rid of. I love the idea of being able to go and go to a retreat center and do a long fast and maybe someday I will, but that doesn't fit into my lifestyle very well. <laughs> You're like I can't take a month off and right. just hibernate. <laughs> So in addition to, um, you know, like, so one of the things that we like to do is we'll go out and we will wild forage the greens that I mentioned, like nettles or dandelion, and we'll include those in our whole food meals and just increase the level of bitter greens that we have. And then we use the herbs to support our body with that detox. And then every year I kind of just feel it out for myself. And I say, do, does my body feel like it's going to be served to do a longer fast right now or not? And I'll kind of decide on that. Last year I did a 10 day water fast, which felt really, really good at the time and then did not feel great when I was done. So you want to kind of be careful when you do these things that you make sure that you honor listening to your body and what it needs, um, even while you're in the fast. And it helps to kind of work with somebody that has done it before. I've been fasting since I was in high school. So for me, this is not, this is not out of the realm of my, my, um, my experience. But I actually like to use more of a cellular cleanse idea with that. So doing some kind of intermittent fasting and then supporting the body with some botanicals and some antioxidants while you do that so that you mitigate anything 
negative that could happen and then also get extra leverage out of that time where you're letting your body rest by feeding those antioxidants and those botanicals into your cells. So that's kind of my philosophy on it after trying a lot of different things. I also just want to say that Erin is a professional. She has been spending years and years studying this medicine, studying her own body, listening to her body, intuitive wellness. So I don't want it to sound like somebody should just, oh, I feel like I'm feeling sluggish. Maybe I should go on a 10-day water fast or something like that. Always, always, always. Like if that feels right to your body, if you're really honestly thinking that that's something your body is asking for or needing, obviously do research. Seek a professional who that's like their thing. That's their expertise so that they can guide you through that because there's so much misinformation out there. There's also things that we just aren't aware of that if somebody who actually has spent years cultivating all this information and just downloading the information and also living it, that's also important. The practitioner lives their their medicine. That's so, so important. I just want to make a point to say that. And I do really love what you mentioned about the greens. So eating some kind of greens powder every day is also going to be supportive to the body's natural detoxification processes. It's wonderful. It helps with energy as well. Um, Your skin usually starts to glow when you do greens a lot. So lots of different things that you can do, lots of different things to choose from, even from a more, you know, Ayurvedic standpoint, there's a lot of different things that they do. And then there are practices that you can do to help support the detoxification as well. So I've mentioned the saunas, you know, you don't want to um, maybe, maybe if you're feeling like you're really kapha and you're, you still have a lot of water element going on, what I would not recommend is going and sitting in a steam sauna because you have a lot of water elements in there. Right. But maybe a dry sauna or an infrared sauna would be really helpful and supportive to your body. Maybe just, you know, giving yourself a chance to sweat out some of those toxins. Um, and then along with that, there's some Ayurvedic treatments, we could call them, that can really help just to round out your protocol, so to speak, for the spring that can help with detoxification and not just detoxification. And I know you want to talk about this too, um, on a physical level, but detoxification on a mental level, an emotional level, a spiritual level. So one of the things you can go do is get an Ayurvedic massage. There's different types of them. Abhyanga is one of the kinds you can do two hands or four hands, and they really get in there with the sesame oil and just get everything flowing. So if you're congested, if you're feeling aches and pains, or you just want to pamper yourself, that's a really good option. Or you can go and get Shirodara, which is, uh, and I have yet to be able to experience this, but I can't wait to, where they drizzle on your third eye for like an hour and a half. And like, you just get totally blissed out. You go into this almost like amniotic state of peacefulness and calm and rejuvenation. So that can be a really great way to sort of prime the pump for allowing your body to have an easier time detoxing by also making sure that you're addressing those other elements of who we are. So not just the physical, but the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. I know you had some ideas for detox as well and some comments to make up the whole basis of the platform that I want to create is also inviting people to maybe if you think of detoxification for this example, it's like we think, okay, we think of like 
the detoxes that are out there. We think about cleansing the liver. We think about all these other things, but there is another emotional aspect of um, detoxification. It also has to do with the simple things, the things that we, the deodorant that we put underneath our arms, the makeup that we put on our face, the music that we choose to listen to, everything affects our psyche, our spirit body, our emotional body. And sometimes it's just making that conscious effort of really being self-aware. For the longest time, I never looked at what was in my skin toner, for example. (laughs) And it's so funny that you talk about nettles because this is what I did. I was starting to break out and I knew it was basically hormonal driven. And I knew that there was, my pH was completely off. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that there was some internal things that I had to do. But on the surface level, <laughs> I, I was looking at all the skincare products that I had. And I was just like, I, I know this stuff. Like, this is, these are the things I study, but I'm still using these products. Mm-hmm. I threw a ton of stuff away. And I actually started using nettle tea as my toner. I got so many breakouts. When I never get, I never get acne. I never went through that phase as a teenager. But when there is a disruption, I always, and I know this is probably like the gallbladder, I think, area for when you do face mapping, which is a totally another thing. (laughs) But right here would always, and it would be painful and it would hurt. And I started toning with nettle tea two days, two days for me it cleared up instantly. Wow. So it was just like, again, making those conscious, like just realizing it and being like, all right, what's the root cause of this? Well, I'm putting a bunch of stuff on my face that I can't even pronounce half of these ingredients Mm -hmm. on top of the fact that there might be some emotional disruptions in my life or the season of my life, or maybe I'm being more reactive and I'm allowing that to come through versus, you know, just like being more grounded. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, we kind of need to also, I always encourage people to kind of like try to find your root cause. Mm-hmm. And I know it's also something I would never tell people like diagnose yourself. Whenever you have the chance, go to a professional, seek right. professional opinions. But it really does kind of like change the way that the trajectory of your life and also ha- the, the things that you co- bring into your life, as well as the things that we eliminate from our lives really have a lot to do with the season of the life that we're in, Mm -hmm. as well as I think, like we've been talking about, spring is such an inviting time to kind of take stock of all that. I know a lot of um, people that are kind of on the influencer style, lifestyle, health gurus that we see on Instagram, it's like January hits, everybody wants to be selling detoxes. Mm-hmm. Springtime hits, oh, let's go through spring cleaning and like clean out your system. And it's just like, great. Yeah. Right, like these are such aggressive yeah. and nine times out of 10, not natural forms that are just going to create bigger disruptions in our systems anyways. Mm-hmm. Even if you are somebody, you maybe you've been on the clean eating train for a long time, Maybe you're going to your yoga classes weekly and you just think that, you know, you live a fairly healthy lifestyle and you lead a fairly clean life. You can still accumulate toxicity into your body and into your just like energetic field. So nobody is immune to toxicity on any level. We have heavy metals, we have GMOs, there's food additives, there's pesticides, there's just all these things that 
unfortunately we can't escape from mm -hmm. in some form or another there's always going to be some kind of like toxic particle in our in our environment that even the air that we breathe detox on any level like it no one's immune to like not needing it i think i think that there's on some level everybody can benefit from detoxification agreed and if you think about it we're exposed to so many more toxins now and it's not been tested how the different chemicals even interact with each other, much less in our body that we're exposed to on a regular basis. And I mean, yes, theoretically, our organs of elimination, quote unquote, should be able to handle those things. But here we're looking at two very ancient medical systems, traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, where they weren't exposed to these types of toxic exposure but yet they still are acknowledging, even with the organs of elimination, there are times where it is necessary to detox. So if they were saying it back then, you really need to look at it now. <laughs> One question I had, when before you were talking about the practice where you have the oil on your third eye, you are talking about the massage. What was the massage called? Abhyanga, A-B-H-A-N-G-Y-A. Is that a more, a, I'm not, I don't want to say the word aggressive, but like, are they going like deep in the lymph nodes and like moving things around or is it more gentle? I, I have the impression that it's more gentle, but if you're going to get these types of treatments, you're going to be going to an Ayurvedic practitioner. This is not something that um, most, you know, mainstream massage therapists are going to be trained in. And you kind of need to be, because it's like massive amounts of sesame oil that they use. So like you kind of need to have a special setup for it and everything. So if you're going to a practitioner, they're going to be able to cater what they're doing to your specific constitution in your body and your current challenges. Awesome. I'm so, this is, and these are the kinds of conversations that I love because not only are we just focusing on the natural challenges that just kind of organically come during the season of spring, but also talking about what we can do to celebrate our bodies, mm -hmm. celebrate our intuition. And speaking about intuition, you have a program, right? About yeah. listening yes. to our intuitions. Yeah. So my um, co-creator, Corey and Faith and I have developed an academy it's online. It's called the Intuitive and Seasonal Living Academy. If you're interested in taking a look at that, you can go to intuitiveseason.com and get yourself on the mailing list. Um, we have a different academy for each season, and it is going to be going over a lot of the information that we shared here today within the context also of doing some really cool personal development that's relevant to that season. So for instance, in spring, we're germinating those ideas that we thought about during the winter and we're starting to look at how we get those things into action. We're planting the seeds and we're seeing them sprout. So Corey is going to walk people through body, mind, and soul of how they can connect to those ideas. Whereas I bring in the TCM, the Ayurveda, and then the aromatherapy piece, which we didn't even get into today. So if anything that we talked about in this podcast is of interest to you and you're like, yeah, I want to get into this, but I just don't even know where to start. This would be a really great place to start. We're going to look at it from a really big top down, and then you're going to be given assignments that you can do to start experimenting with these ideas and these principles on your own in ways that feel great to you. So you can either purchase the entire year or you can purchase one season at a time. And that is going to be live as an evergreen product 
on the spring equinox, which is on March 21st. So if you're listening to this before then, you can go ahead out, go out to intuitiveseason.com and get yourself on the mailing list so that you're notified. And then after that date, when you go out there, you'll be able to get yourself enrolled right away. So we're really excited about that. You're also March 30th. You're going to be in New York. Yes. So this is really exciting. My friend, Christy Data, who is just like this superwoman, she is just like this New York born powerhouse of a woman. She has this vision to create more collaboration and support amongst women. And she's creating something called Girl Gang Day. And so the first annual Girl Gang Day is going to be in New York City, Manhattan, and Chelsea. Um, and it's going to be a really cool lineup of women. So we have a couple of personal trainers coming in to do a workout with us that's going to be functional movement based. Then we have Dr. Beth Westy, who's a female hormone expert, who's going to be talking about nutrition for women, especially for women athletes. I'm going to be talking about aromatherapy and holistic recovery, which is... I love that. Yes. And then we have uh, Punita, who is going to be talking about mental fitness. So it's also going to be a body, mind, soul, sort of like holistically approached. And anybody who comes to the event, you're going to actually have a big portion of your ticket proceeds go to an organization called Alana Athletica, which helps to support women who are survivors of abuse. And so you're going to get a chance to write a letter of empowerment to a woman who is an abuse survivor in Sri Lanka. And when you do that, you get a free legging from them. So that's pretty cool too. If you want to look at that, you can go out to Eventbrite and just do a search for Girl Gang Day and you'll be able to see all the information about the event and purchase your ticket there. It is limited tickets and I would recommend getting them right away because I know that they're going to sell out. That's so epic. That sounds like such a fun event. And where can people follow you on social media? Where are you most? I feel like I spend my life on Facebook and Instagram. So you can find me there. Prairie Soap House and Apothecary is my business name Um, on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram, Prairie Soap House and Apothecary or Erin Oberlander. And then on Facebook under those same names. Um, I do a lot of just free training on my business page on either place. So you can find me there. And other than that, on this podcast, if people are interested in, in coming to me for an aromatherapy consultation, what that looks like is that you're going to fill out an intake sheet that talks about your current goals, as well as your current challenges, a complete health history, and then an Ayurvedic profile. And then we spend at least an hour together going over that shedding some insights on what's going on in your body, what's in balance, what's out of balance. And then we can create some custom synergies and some specific lifestyle recommendations for you. If that's of interest to people, you can actually go and book on my website on Facebook. Actually, you can go right to uh, Facebook and there's a book it button, or you can go to prairiearomatherapy.com, which is my website and you can book there or purchase products or contact me there as well. Thank you so much for allowing for this space and energy and cultivating such an awesome, awesome conversation. I, you've added so much value and I'm just so excited to continue on and just getting to know you more and following you. And if anybody likes what they heard today, definitely like and subscribe to the podcast. Go and follow Erin. I'm just so excited. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I hope that it's of help to your audience and I can't wait to connect more with your people. Totally. I feel like there's like, we, we, we have enough stuff to talk about like three other podcasts. (laughs) 
anytime you want to do one, I don't mind talking about what I know. So I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I truly hope that you enjoyed this podcast and you found this information to be helpful. I continually work with clients one-on-one via in-person or online consultation. I welcome and invite anyone who might be feeling they need an extra support or have extra questions about their health or spiritual journey. You are more than welcome to reach out to me. You can message me directly at activatedliving11 at gmail.com or find me on different social media platforms. I'm on Twitter at activatedliving and that's spelled L-I-V-N-G without the I for Activated Living. Uh, You can find me on Activated Living on Instagram. On Facebook, I think if you can type in The Activated Living, you will find me on Facebook. And again, I'm very, very responsive to email. Thank you to everyone also who has sent me your DMs, who has sent me personal messages, who has left comments on the YouTube pages. I always read everything and I just thank you all for your continual love and support. As always, thank you for listening and showing your support. I hope you have a wonderful and beautiful day or evening wherever you are and continue to shine your light from the